Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. All right, praise God. Um, deeply excited to always bring forth God's Word and. Um, we want to appreciate the Father for the opportunity to teach and to minister His Word always. Let's pray and let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your Word. In Jesus' mighty name. Now we'll be looking at equipped for the moment, equipped for the moment, and we want to look at Second Corinthians chapter three, um, which is our main text. Second Corinthians chapter three, with particular um, emphasis in verses five and six. But then I'm going to read uh, up until verse ten to give us a bit of context into what Paul. Was trying to teach here and it's important for us to understand the theology of Paul as we examine the scriptures because we know from the scriptures that Paul brought forth the revelation of the new creation in Christ Jesus and so in a bit to understand what it means to be equipped for the moment I'll, I'll go through this in two aspects first of all identifying the covenant and then our responsibility in disseminating the message of Christ. So let's read Second Corinthians chapter 3, which is um, our main text. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 10, and we'll build up from there. Now Paul says, Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 1, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need a song? letters of commendation to you or from you. Now, Paul, for us to have an, uh, an understanding of this, Paul was talking about preaching to the Gentiles. And, and just like is, um, as it is today, in some places, you would need a letter of recommendation or you would need somebody to endorse you as a minister of the gospel. Now, if you go to Second Corinthians chapter 3, and um, let's pick up something. Let's pick up from verse 12. Let me give you um, a basis from this. Second Corinthians chapter, chapter 2 and verse 12. Now when I came to trials for the gospel of Christ, and when a door was opened for me in the Lord, observe that, verse 13, I had no rest for my spirit, not finding Titus my brother. But taking my leave of them, I went on to Macedonia. Now go to verse 14. The Bible says, But thanks be to God, who always lead us in triumph in Christ and manifest through us. Observe that word. It's going to be important. Manifest through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. So Paul says that through us, okay, you know, most times as Christians, when we read this, that thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ, one of the things that comes to our mind very readily is, the breakthrough and the success and the prosperity that we have in Christ, which is good. And that's fine. But he goes on to, to put a platform on this. And the platform is that through this triumph, you know, 
um, the manifested knowledge of God, or through, you know, the word manifest there is to reveal, or we can say through this revelation, through us, the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. That means every place we go to, we spread the knowledge of Christ. And, 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 you know, when we talk about being equipped for the moment, that's something a lot of believers would have to come to and understand. It's that God is counting on us to spread the gospel. And so, everywhere we are, there, there ought to be an aroma, glory to God, of the knowledge of Christ. Well, let's go on. Verse 15, it says, For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who have been saved and among those who are perishing. To one, an aroma from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? Or who is competent for these things? Now, Paul is going to deal with this in verse 6, which is our main text. So that's why I said we should backtrack a bit. For, look at verse 17. He says, For we are not like many. Now, Paul is... Paul talks about, in verse 12, Paul talks about a door that is opened for the gospel of Christ. So Paul talks about a door that is opened for the gospel of Christ. And then Paul talks about uh, not finding Titus. He, um, not finding Titus, he went to Macedonia to preach. And in that preaching, uh, the aroma of the knowledge of Christ is spread. And we are the fragrance of Christ. We spread that aroma, praise God. Now, in verse 17, he says, For we are not like many. So he is comparing himself to other preachers. Right now, peddling. You know, that word peddling actually is the word corrupting. Corrupting. To corrupt the word. To not teach the word the way it is. Peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity. But as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. So he says, listen, there are many people who are corrupting the word of God. There are many people who are corrupting the message of Christ. There are many people who are corrupting the message of the kingdom. He says, but we are not like them. And it's very important that ministers of the gospel do not corrupt God's word. That they teach the word of God. You know, sometimes I'm amazed and I find it a little bit difficult when uh, ministers of the gospel do not pay very clear attention and very precise attention to the teaching of the scriptures. If the Lord has handed us that responsibility, not just as ministers of the gospel, but as, uh, as believers, we ought to hold the word of God sacred and to make sure that we teach it just the way it is, praise God, rightly dividing the word of truth. So he goes on, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, For we are not like many, peddling the word of God, Praise God. But as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. Now he goes on to verse 3. So you understand why he was saying this now. He says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need as some letters of commendation to you or from you? He says, do I need someone to recommend me to you? Or would you need to give me a letter to, to enable me preach to you? So Paul was asking. And you know why Paul was asking this question? Paul was asking this question because of what he had experienced. Verse 2, he now says, You are our letter, written in our hearts, praise God, known and read by all men. He says, You are our letter, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. 
Verse 3. Being manifested. Look at this. That you are a letter of Christ. You are a letter of Christ. Cared for by us. Written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. Now, this is very interesting. Paul says, you are our later. He says, what he's trying to say is, listen, we don't need someone to write, to commend us, to recommend us. You are our later. It's like saying, you are the proof that the message is working. Glory to God. You are the proof that the word of God is working. But, but Paul is very intellectual. And, and, and I absolutely love Paul. I love studying the theology of Paul because Paul presents to us the gospel and presents to us the treaties of the gospels and the, the defense of the gospel in a very logical and intellectual manner. Okay? Now, Paul is referring to the saints in Corinth as his letters. He's saying, listen, you guys are my letters. You're written in my heart. You're read by all men. But he says, you are a letter of Christ. You see what Paul is saying, saying here? Paul is saying, actually, you are the letter of Christ. And he says, cared for us, but written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. So here, Paul is dealing with people being the letters, written by Christ. But if you actually study this very carefully, Paul is here, right here, dealing with the two covenants. You see, he's dealing with the old covenant and the new covenant. Are you following this now? Because, now, let me, let me give you a bit. You realize that when Paul, known as Saul, wanted to go and kill the Christians on his way to Damascus, the Bible says he went to the chief priest to obtain letters. That means to obtain the authorization to kill Christians. So, you couldn't actually function at a very high level of ministry in those days without a form of uh, endorsement or encouragement. Or, uh, sorry, endorsement or commendation. That's the right word. Endorsement or commendation. But when Paul begins to deal with commendation here and deal with himself as a minister, he goes behind the scene. If you read in between the lines, you would observe that what Paul is dealing with here is the new covenant and the old covenant. And I'll, I'll give you scriptures for that. It says, let, let's speak this now. It says, you were not written with ink, okay, but with the spirit of the living God. Now he now says, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human heart. Well, let's read, then I'll come back and explain. Such confidence we have through through Christ towards God. Now look at this now, verse 5. Not that we are adequate or sufficient in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. That means our sufficiency, the King James Version says, is from God. Look at verse 6. Who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant. Can you see that now? Paul brings in the word covenant now, or we can say the word testament. Okay? Who also made us adequate. That means he made us fit. He, because God is our sufficiency, he has made us fit to be servants of a new covenant, not of the later. 
Look at what Paul is saying again now. Not of the later, but of the spirit. For the later kills, but the spirit gives life. Now we're going to explore all of this. Verse 7. But if the ministry of death. Can you see what Paul is doing here? Paul is talking about laters. So he talked about human laters. He talks about the later of Christ. He talks about uh, some laters are written with ink. Then he goes on to talk about some of the laters are written by the spirit of the living God. Then he talks about laters that are written on tablets of stone. And then he talks about tablets, uh, laters, tablets of human hearts. Okay, then he talks about uh, sufficiency which is not in ourselves. Then he goes on to talk about the sufficiency which is in God. Then he goes on to talk about we are servants of the new covenant. Then he talks about the later kills. Then he talks about the spirit gives life. Now, when you hear the word, the spirit gives life, what comes to your mind? John chapter 6 verse 33. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and life. So, if you, if you put that two scriptures together, you would realize that the words of Jesus are the words of life. And the words of Moses are the words of death. Okay? Okay, okay, yeah, John 6, 63. For the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and life. Praise God. Because if you go, uh, if, you, if you read on, you know, well, let's read on now. Read on. Verse 7, it says, but, the, but if the ministry of death, remember, it says, the later kills. So it's the later that brings death. So he says, but if the ministry of death in letters engraved on stones. So what is he talking about when he says there are certain letters that were engraved on stone? What comes to your mind? You remember in Exodus chapter 31 and verse 18. Exodus 31 verse 18. The, the, the scripture says, When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, He gave him the two tablets of the covenant of the Lord. <clears throat> the tablets of the stone inscribed by the finger of God. Okay? Now, for if the ministry in letters engraved on stone came with glory. What glory is this? If you read on in Exodus 31, you would observe that when Moses stayed with God on the mountain for 40 days, the Bible says his face was shining, the glory of God came upon him. He was in the glory of God. And when he came to, to, to the children of Israel, he had to put a veil over his face. So the scripture is saying that actually, even though this was the ministry of death, Praise God. Because there was no life in it. They couldn't find life in it. Because Jesus had not been crucified. He says it came with a bit of glory. There's a bit of glory to it. He says so that the sons of Israel could not um, look at his face. That's Exodus 34, verse 29 to 35. You can write that down. Exodus 34, 29 to 35. It says, So that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, fading as it was. So, he, he, he describes this glory, and he says, This glory is also fading. Praise God. This glory is also fading. That means it's passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more glorious? So, here Paul is contrasting again two ministries. Remember where we're coming from. Con the letters of the flesh, the letters of the human heart, and, and all of that comparison I've talked about. He says, 
If that glory was fading, how much more the glory of the New Testament? Verse 9. For if the ministry of condemnation has glory. So he talks here again about the ministry of condemnation. Much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. Okay? Praise the name of the Lord. Well, if I read on and keep reading on, I'll see so many things to talk about. So let me backtrack a bit. Uh, the Spirit of the Living God is talking about Christ. Matthew chapter 16, verse 16. Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. I'll pick that up again. You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Alright. Now, if you go to Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 31. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 31, you would observe something here. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah was prophesying, okay, and he was speaking of the coming glory, or speaking of the time that Jesus is going to come, uh, it manifested in the flesh now. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now, what is this new covenant? What is this new covenant? Now, it's important for us to understand that God had a covenant with Abraham, okay, and Isaac and Jacob, and it's got all those covenants in the Old Testament. But here the prophet Jeremiah is seen into the future, and he's talking about a new covenant. Now, if I talk about a new covenant, it means that, of, of course, there was an old covenant. Praise God. Yeah, it's just simple. If something is new, it means there was something old in it, okay? So, if you go to um, Jeremiah chapter 31, let's read again, and verse... Uh, 31 here of verse 27 even if you start reading from verse 27 but it'll be good to just pick it up from verse 31 it says look at this behold the days are coming declares the lord when i'll make a new covenant with the house of israel and with the house of judah now look at verse 32 not like the covenant which i made with their fathers in the day I took them by hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So, at what time did he take the children of Israel by hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt? That was when they were in the wilderness. Am, am I right? Yeah. So, that, so you, you realize that this was the time he made that covenant. Now he says, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. So, they broke this covenant. They couldn't keep the terms of this covenant. Verse 33 now says, But this is the covenant which I would make with the house of Israel. After those days, glory to God, declares the Lord. He says, look at this, I love this. He says, I will put my law within them, and on their heart I would write it. Can you go back to Second Corinthians chapter, we'll come back to Jeremiah, but go back to Second Corinthians Thank you, Lord Jesus. Chapter 3. Praise God. Second Corinthians chapter 3. And let's see this again. Let's read this again. And let's read verse 3. It says, Being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, reading not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. Now go back to Jeremiah chapter 33. Praise God. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 31, sorry. Look at verse... 33. But this is the covenant which I'll make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I'll put my law within them and on their heart. I will write it. I'll write it in their heart and put my law in them. I'll be their God and they shall be my people. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can you see this? 
He says, For they will not teach again each man to know his neighbor, each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Of them declares the Lord, for I'll forgive their iniquity and their sin I remember no more. So he tells us that this covenant comes was the, with the forgiveness of sin and not remembering their iniquities. Now it's going to be a new covenant. Now it's going to be different because the Lord says in Jeremiah 31 that this new covenant, I'm not going to write it on tablets of stone. Which means that this new covenant is not going to be external. <clears throat> Praise God. Now you realize that about the old covenant. The old covenant was written external. A lot of things were doing, were being done externally. The ark of the covenant was external. The presence of God was external. If they needed to perform a sacrifice, uh, they had to bring goats. They had to do all of those things external. But he's saying that I'm doing something new now. I'm going to put this thing in their heart. You remember, the children of Israel, they have what, <laughs> what I call a stiff naked Nacked relationship with God, right? You know, God tells them this and they don't obey. In fact, the Bible says they had a heart of stone. Praise God. And God says in this new covenant, I'm going to give them a heart of flesh, which means a heart that is going to be yielded to my purpose. And why am I, you know, giving all of this background? All of this background is important for us to understand that right now we have been equipped or we've been equipped for a moment, which is the New Testament season, for us to, you know, spread this gospel and declare this gospel. Praise God. Let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 8. Speak this up from the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 8. Thank you Lord Jesus. And let us read from verse 10. Man, the book of Hebrews is just a blessing. Oh man, I tell you. I tell you. It's a blessing. Thank you Lord. Hebrews chapter 8. Let's read from verse 7. I enjoy reading Hebrews. It says, for if that first covenant remember the first covenant we're talking about now? The covenant of stone and all of that had been faultless. There would have been no occasion sought for a second. Verse 8. For finding fault with them, he says, Behold. Can you see this? He says he was finding fault with that covenant. And what was the fault with that covenant? The people were not able to obey God. Because everything was external. He says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. So, the writer of Hebrews speaks on the prophecy of Jeremiah. You know, we must always allow the scriptures to interpret the scriptures. You know, um, as I, as I study God's Word and as I read God's Word, I'm like, oh wow, there's so much in the Word of God to teach. There's so much, you know, like, the Word of God is so rich. You know, you've got to just enjoy reading the Bible. The Old Testament, the New Testament, they all come together and they form this wonderful, you know, meal that we should just enjoy. Well, let's go ahead. Uh, verse 7, For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for a second. Verse 8, for finding fault with them, he says, so the Lord says this now, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He says, when I would effect a new covenant. Thank you, Lord. With the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers. Okay? On the day when I took them by the hand, to lead them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. And I did not care for them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, I'm in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10 now. Says the Lord, I'll put my laws into their minds. I'll write them in on their hearts. I'll be their God. And they shall be my people. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen. And every one his brother saying, Know the Lord, for all will know me from the least to the greatest. For I will remember their iniquities. I will 
be merciful to their iniquities and I remember the sins no more. When he said a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. But whatever is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to disappear. Can you see that this was what um, Paul was referring to in 2 Corinthians chapter 3? When he says that old covenant was fading away. So what did he mean that the old covenant was fading away? He meant that God has brought something new that was better. Praise God. That was better than what they had before. Thank you Lord Jesus Christ. You see, oh come on. Let's go to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11 and verse 27. What does the phone manufacturers do for you to just discard your old phone? They bring a new phone. Okay? So when they bring a, a new phone, <coughs> the new model, sorry, then they say the old is passing away. So Romans chapter 11, quickly, and verse 27. It says, This is my covenant with them, praise God, when I take away their sins. So, he was talking about, so the, the new covenant is talking about the manifestation of Jesus so that our sins will be taken away. Uh, final scripture on this whole thing about the old and the new covenant and then we'll just make a bit of progress. Ephesians chapter 3, quickly, verse 8 to 12. Thank you Lord Jesus. To me, the very least of all saints, come and look at this. This grace was given to me, thank you Lord Jesus, to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring the light which is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church, through the church, observe this, through the church, every member of the body of Christ to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Come on, verse 11. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on. In whom we have boldness and confidence and access through faith in him. Praise God. So we, we, we find out that Paul was big on teaching the truths of the new covenant. Alright, so let's, let's go on to the second part here. Let's go on to the second part here. Let's, let's look at 1 Corinthians. Let's go back again to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Just, just, that's more like the first part of the message and just pick up the second part so I can deal with the issue of being adequate, of being equipped for the message. So we understand the message right now. We understand the plan of God. You know, Paul says that. That this is the plan of God. This plan has been hidden in ages past. What plan is that? That Christ in us, the hope of glory. Praise the name of the Lord. That's the mystery. That's what has been hidden in ages past. That God wants to make known to principalities and powers through the church. That we have the authority. And it's amazing. How today people sit in church day in, day out, go for all kinds of programs and they are fed with how powerful the devil is and how this is. You know, we are, come on, we are the ones with the power. Glory to God. I mean, this message of the kingdom needs to go all over the earth. People need to understand what Jesus has accomplished for us. Praise God forevermore. Uh, what did I say? First Corinthians? Okay, Second Corinthians chapter 3. Let's go on now. It says, now I'm going to read this and I'll go back to Ephesians. Okay? Uh, I'll go back to Ephesians chapter 2. So, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Hold your place there. Because I'm going to go back there. Right there. Am I right? Yeah. No, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. Praise God. Okay. So, hold Second Corinthians chapter 3. Hold Ephesians chapter 3. Okay. So, Second Corinthians chapter 3. Let's read there. Verse 4. Such confidence we have 
true Christ towards God. Observe the word true Christ. So that means that the confidence that we have right now concerning the declaration and the proclamation of the gospel comes through Christ. But then this confidence is towards God. So we have this confidence true. Observe the word true and toward. It, so when I say I have something through this person, that means what the confidence I have came through this person. Okay? But it's not just having confidence towards the person it came through. This person gave me confidence to speak to this other person. So for instance, let me give you an example. Um, if, if, I, um, if, if I tell someone, if I say, well, call my office, for instance, call my office and tell, um, you know, maybe call my office and tell my secretary that I want you to speak to me and then she would allow you to speak to me. Now, you would have the confidence through reaching my secretary to be able to get to me. But that confidence came first of all because you have a knowledge of something. You have a knowledge of two things. Now, number one, you have a knowledge of the fact that I want to talk to you. And you have a knowledge of the fact that if you get through my secretary, you'd be able to get to me. Okay? So, it's the same thing. God wants to relate with man. But man couldn't keep the laws. So, through Jesus Christ, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we now have the confidence to be able to come to God. But understand something. Now, understand something. And this is good. Now, it's not only that we have the confidence to come to God, it is the fact that God trusts us to now take the message of this good news and go and bring other people into this relationship. Come on. Are you following this now? So let's read. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3. So I'm just on the fourth verse. Such confidence, praise God, we have through Christ toward God. Look at verse 5. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from us. So it's not about us. But our adequacy is from God. That means our sufficiency, our being equipped for this assignment is from God. But how did it come from God? How did we get it? It came from God through Christ. Okay, now let's, let's, let's go to Ephesians 3. I mean, Scriptures is beautiful. Scriptures is just amazing. Go to verse... Um, can I read from verse 6? Uh, no, let's read from verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you, that means the period of grace to share God's word to you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. It says, when you read this, you should understand it. It, shouldn't, it should no longer be a mystery. Okay? Which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it, is, it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. Praise God. So, the holy apostles, I mean, I like this. The holy apostles and prophets are not just to see what is wrong with you. They ought to show you the mystery which is in Christ, which has been revealed. Verse 6, he explained the mystery. To be specific. Thank you, Lord. You know, there's a semicolon right there, right? Like, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit, and then semicolon, to be specific, comma, which means you can put up all of that statement together instead of looking at it at verse 6. You can read it all together. So if we read it all together without the verses, it says, which in, uh, we can read it from verse 4 and just read it up until verse 7 and read it without the verses and you just see what beautiful meaning comes out of this. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets 
prophet in the spirit, semicolon, to be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. Now, how did we get through Christ towards God? It's through the gospel. What is the gospel? The dead, burial, resurrection of Jesus. So when we heard the gospel, we believed the promise. Remember, now let me backtrack a bit. Remember the covenant that God made with Abraham was the promise God gave to Abraham. So in the new dispensation, praise God forevermore, in the new dispensation, we get into the promise of the gospel by receiving the gospel. And we are now fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. What is that promise? Quickly, Galatians chapter 3. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Where is my Galatians? Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Quickly now. Let's get in here. Can we read from verse 10? For as many as of the works of the law are under a curse. Remember, he says the law killeth. The curse will kill. Okay? For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law to perform them. This was why it was killing. They could not keep all the laws. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Verse 13. Now remember, we're talking about something now. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the Lord, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14. Look at this. In order, thank you Lord Jesus, that in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, True Christ, if you read Corinthians, the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles so that we will receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What is this promise? What is this promise? Verse 16 says, Now the promises were spoken to, spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He doesn't say unto seed, as referring to many, but rather to one, as to your seed, that is Christ. Praise God. Let's re- run down quickly to verse 26. Verse, verse 24, it says, Therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, so that we might be justified by faith. So the law was pointing us, come on now, the glory of the law, the, the little glory that the law had, was the fact that it was pointing us to Christ. That the need for Christ. Praise, praise God. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. Verse 26, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ. Oh, thank you, Lord. Verse 27, For all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Thank you Lord. And if you belong to Christ. Then. Come on. Are you Abraham's descendants and heirs according to the promise? So you see. All of these things are things that are supposed to make us sufficient in the flesh. Whether we are male, female, rich, poor. But it says no. This is not it. It's about Christ. All in Christ, praise the name of the Lord. Okay, let's go back to Ephesians and just finish up. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Thank you, Lord. So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church. We are the church. We are the church now, okay? To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when Jesus hung on the cross, it was the eternal purpose of God being carried out. Are you following this now? When, 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 when he hung on the cross, it was the eternal purpose of God being carried out. So he says, In whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. 
Okay? So we have boldness because of what Jesus did and confident access through faith in Him. Now go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, our main text. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, thank you Lord. Verse 4, such confidence we have through Christ toward God. So do you see how that confidence came now? Are you following this now? Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to read from verse 1 to 12 very quickly. Now, if I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand. So see, Paul says, I preached the gospel to you, you received that gospel, you stand in that gospel. That means you didn't just hear, you were convinced of it, you are standing in it. Verse 2, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received. Come and look at this. What did Paul deliver? It's very clear that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. What is the scriptures? The law, the prophets, and Moses in the Old Testament. And that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And he appeared to Seth, I was talking about Peter, then to the twelve. After he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of them who remain until now, but some are falling asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Praise God. Paul says he was born untimely. That means, remember we're talking about equipped for the moment. That means he was not born when the other apostles in that sense, you know, were there. But God revealed these things to him. For I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. So he, he, he actually killed people. Okay? But he says, I'm not fit to be called apostles. Apostle, come on now. But by the grace of God, look at this, I am what I am and his grace towards me did not prove in vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Praise God. Now, this really gets to me. Apostle Paul here says, I'm not fit to be called an apostle. I was born out of due order. I was born untimely. I persecuted the church. But when he revealed his grace to me, come on guys, I labored more than everybody else. And, and you see, when we talk about being equipped for the moment, we're talking about being equipped to be able to share the gospel of Christ. And I see some people say, well, I'm just a new believer. I just came to Christ. I had a rough past. Come on, shut up. Receive the grace and labor more than everybody else. Just put in your... <laughs> I mean, just get the job done. You know, that's my mindset about the gospel. That's why I do ministry the way I do the do ministry. I'm not, I don't have any natural qualification, like oh, this is why God called me. You know, it's because, no, 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 but the day I found out that God has called me to preach the gospel, I'm like, yeah, God, myself and yourself will make an unbeatable team. Let's go for it. Let's labor. Praise God. And that's what Paul did, man. I, I like that about Paul. He says, for I'm the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God. Thank you, Lord. I'm what I am. And His grace towards me did not prove in vain. When God calls us, when God has equipped us, when God has called us as believers, we shouldn't let this thing be in vain. Praise God. We should labor. But I even labor more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I, or they so we preach and so you believe. Now if Christ is preached and he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you now say that Christ has not been raised and all of that and all of that and all of that? Now go to Second Corinthians chapter 5. And let's see something here. Second Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to read from verse 1. We're going to read up to verse 21. 
long reading, but we have to do it. Uh, okay, let's, let's see. Let's start reading from verse 12. For we are not again commending ourselves to you. Remember, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, which is our main text, in verse 1, Paul says, we do not need letters of commendation. Don't forget that. He comes to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and picks that up again and says, therefore, uh, verse 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 12, therefore, we're not commending ourselves, come on now, to you, oh, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us, so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart, okay? For we're not besides ourselves. When he says we're not beside ourselves, he's actually saying we're not mad. <laughs> it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. For the love of Christ compels. The love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. He says it's the love of God and of this message that controls us. So even if you think of us like madmen, he says we're not mad. I mean, I'm just wondering, have people ever thought you were mad for how much labor you put in the gospel. Well, that's, that's for another day. Verse 15. And he died for all. So that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. He says, when you have a revelation of this, you no longer live for yourself. Everything you do, it's now for the sake of the gospel. Hallelujah. Therefore, from now on, glory to God, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Now, we're talking about the issue of our sufficiency in preaching the gospel. Now, we don't look at you after the flesh anymore. We don't look at your past. We don't look at what you have done. We don't look at your natural qualification. We don't look at whether you're poor, rich, Greek, um, Jew, female or male. Praise God. We've dealt with that. He says, for now, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Praise God. Even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. We don't look at that man that walked the sea of Galilee anymore. We're looking at the resurrected Christ. Verse 16. Powerful scripture. Glory to God. Get excited every time I read this. Therefore, thank you Lord. If any man is in Christ. Yep. He is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all things are from God. Who reconciled us to himself. Look at this. True Christ. Do you see that phrase again? He reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And this is absolutely woo, glory to God. This is absolutely massively important. He equipped us. This sufficiency is from God. Look at this. He says, thank you Lord. He says, oh, thank you Father. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, namely, what's that ministry of reconciliation? That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So you realize that not only did God commit to us the ministry of reconciliation, he gave us the word of reconciliation. But how did he do this? How are we equipped to be able to do this? Because we've accepted the gospel of Jesus. Because we've accepted the fact that Jesus died for us. And if we'll accept that fact, he not only reconciled us to himself, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
Now, outside of giving us the ministry of reconciliation, he gave us the word of reconciliation. What is the word of reconciliation? Verse 19. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Praise God. And how did God do this? Or how is God doing this? Or how has God done this? He's done it through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He's doing it today by us preaching the word of God. Do you remember what Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 when he says, But thanks be to God who always lead us in triumph in Christ and manifest to us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Verse 15 says, We are the fragrance of Christ to God. Do you remember this? So everywhere we go, we smell of the dead, burial, resurrection of Jesus. Glory to God. It says, namely, that God was in Christ. Thank you, Lord. Reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Praise God. Now, it it goes on to say, okay, Ah, this is good. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Can you see that right from when we accepted the Lord, we have now been qualified as ambassadors. And who is an ambassador? An ambassador is he that represents uh, his country in another place. So you see this, it says, for we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Verse 20. One, it says, He made him who knew no sin to be seen on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in, in him. Chapter 6 verse 1, And walking together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, at the acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. But now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You see what Paul is pulling out here? Paul is saying, listen, we have now access to God. We've got the ministry of reconciliation. We've got the word of reconciliation. And God is now appealing through us. We are now, He has been made our sufficiency. Scripture says Christ is our sufficiency. So there's no excuse any longer to say, you know, I can't preach the gospel. That's left for my pastors. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, the scripture says that the pastors were given to equip the saints so the saints can do the work of ministry. It's not the pastors to do the work of ministry. It's the saints to do the work of ministry. And how are you equipped for this? You know, your pastors begin to teach you this truth. Begin to unveil the mystery of Christ to you. Begin to unveil the fact that Christ lives in you. And as you meditate on this truth, boldness will arise in your heart. Glory to God. And you begin to do what God has called you to do. Now, two things quickly and I'll wrap up. In John chapter 14 verse 16, the scripture says, And I'll ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. You see, when we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ... You know, the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit is the advocate. The Holy Spirit is the helper. And that word in the Greek is alos parakletos. Uh, uh, another of the same kind. It's as if Jesus is practically with us on the earth. 
That's what the Holy Ghost is doing on the inside of us. You know, the Holy Ghost on the inside of us is not just to make us fall and shout and speak in tongues and turn around and spin in church. The Holy Ghost actually coming to us is so we can be able to take this gospel to all nations. Are, are you following this now? In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit of God came upon them, they began to speak in new tongues. And, and the Bible says they began to proclaim the wonderful works of God. And people began to hear this message in every language. Acts chapter 2 verse 6. And when the sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were speaking the gospel. God, the Holy Spirit gave them utterance in, in, in verse 4. The Holy Spirit gave them utterance and they were speaking the message of the gospel. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in us. When, when we're baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, we have the boldness. We are now being supernaturally equipped. It's like God is giving us everything he has to be able to preach the gospel. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, the scripture says, Therefore, okay, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know what Jesus said? He says, All power in heaven and on earth is given unto me. Go ye therefore and preach this gospel. And that's exactly what it means. When, it mean, when the scripture says we've been equipped for this moment, we've been equipped for such a time as this, what the scripture is telling us basically is that because we're new creatures in Christ Jesus, we've been equipped, we, we've had everything we have common to preach the gospel. And that's why it says even as you go, you cast out <laughs> devils. If you find devils, you've been equipped to cast them out. And he say, if you find sickness, if anybody's sick among you, lay your hands on them and get that sickness out of their body. Why? It says, and these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. And if they take any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. What that simply means is that every supernatural equipment we need to be able to get the ministry of reconciliation going has been given to us. And that's the challenge today. That's the challenge for us today. Is to see that this ministry means so much to God. And to see that God wants us to be actively involved in preaching and teaching of the gospel. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We pray that your light and your understanding will shine forth in our heart. And that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that everyone who hears this word will be steady in their heart to take the message of Christ and of his resurrection and of his power and of his healing grace to the nations of the earth. And they will know, Father God, in their spirit that the eyes of their understanding is enlightened and they know the mystery of God's will. That they are strengthened with might in their inner man. That they take forth this gospel and preach it as bold and as loud as they can in the nations of the earth. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.